Hey, and welcome to another episode of the Who Dat Jedi podcast. We are the Who Dat Jedi Council. I'm Aaron. With me, as always, is Dave and Fredo. Hi, guys. Hello. Hello. And I'm using a new mic, and I'm seeing a bunch of... Uh, so I might be coming in really loud and clear, but uh, I'll just keep tweaking it as we go. Um, so, yeah, tonight uh, we're going to be talking about the last two episodes of Obi-Wan Kenobi, and... Um, before we start talking, um, Dave, you just recently saw the last episode, didn't you? Uh, about, I finished watching about 15 minutes ago. And did you change your pants twice or? Yeah. Yeah. I was about like that, man. Um, that was, uh, that was, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about it all. But like I said, Dave, Dave's been busy with work, so he actually just got to watch the last episode. And I was, I mean, right before we started recording, I said, because uh, we said we're talking about episodes five and six, and I said, episode five what? I mean, I I mean, I had to go back and look at the recap and see what that episode was about because I'm still, like, all the things in episode six was just like, oh, wow. Um, so, and it's not without controversy. Um I engaged with Fredo and another person, a couple of people on Twitter today to uh, try to make somebody sleep better about some kind of weird things that happened in six. But I still have a question on yep. some like, um, like how, how did, how did, well, we'll talk about later. How did, how did Qui-Gon die and everybody else who gets a saber to the gut lives? Um, we will, we will talk about that. Um, but, uh, anyway, um, yeah, so let's see here. Uh, by the way, a little bit of saints news. This is fun. Um, kind of saints and saints tangent. Um, first of all, listening to the, uh, saints happy hour podcast and our one and only, uh, Alfredo got name dropped on their podcast because they, <laughs> one of the guys on there, Kevin, he made a star Wars reference and he said, that's for all my Star Wars nerds. Alfredo, Alfredo's listening. He'll know what I'm talking about because he used the word Padawan. And I'm like driving in my car going, I know him. I know him. So you're famous, dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I've uh, followed those guys for a long while. And actually, I think I might have been in one pod with uh, Ralph at one point or another just as a guest. So <laughs> it's just it's funny because, you know, you know these guys from Twitter and then I did uh, did meet them at their their one live event they had pre pandemic. So 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 it's good it's always good to have the stuff to talk about during the dead of NFL season. Well, the the thing is is that um I mean, so far of of the three of us, you are the only one whose voice has been recognized in public and been name dropped <laughs> on another podcast. So um it should be Alfredo and Friends. Um, and no, you know, so, um, no, because I'll say I haven't, I haven't, I've yet to be recognized by the official Star Wars account like somebody else did. Oh, week. that's true. I'm sorry. Fredo <laughs> just got trumped because, um, and pardon that expression. Um, but Dave, Dave, as part of your job, you tweeted something out, um, and you got a, um, quite a reply. Do you want to yeah, share a little bit about what's going on? Yeah. Um, so for, Part of my job, uh, I sent out a little meme about uh, Princess Leia, um, be like little Leia, uh, and just sort of highlighting some of the things that she does that are um, 
great character traits basically that um and that you can pull from uh some of her dialogue in uh, in the show and I, I just put a couple of hashtags on it i didn't engage the official account and the official account uh of star wars like engaged with us on that and that was so that was a real nice win uh, when you're when you're handling uh, social media for your organization to, to have that sort of um, uh, you know broadcasting from so, from the official account so did you did you did you cha- have to change your pants after that one I mean because because you get star Wars. it's, it's kind of like the night that um, I mentioned Ryan Johnson in a tweet and he liked it and I screen capped that and made that my cover photo on Facebook for a while I mean you know it's yeah yeah but uh, there were virtual high fives over that you know it's like yes um because it actually was it was kind of hard to get it right um it was just it took a lot of work we were refining it and and uh and so like all that effort that went into it, it it actually paid off for us so so nothing beats um the time when i uh, there's there's a great Twitter account, if, especially if you're a Nebraska football fan. It's fake Bo Pelini. Um, and oh he's, yeah, he's actually <laughs> he's gotten. Great. You know, he's actually a lot <laughs> yes. of people who aren't Nebraska fans just like fake Bo Pelini. Um, but um, I actually again tweeted to him during a Nebraska game, and he replied. And so I was like, you know, at the time I was like, yay! And then for like three days, my phone was just lighting up with retweets and replies people i mean it's just like okay this is this is old now um but anyway it it gets old doesn't it like that's the thing like fame sucks yeah (laughs) oh my gosh you think like oh i want to go viral or whatever and there are people that that legitimately want that but um (laughs) i wonder old i wonder how celebrities handle it they have to have every single notification turned off I mean, oh, they have people who just handle it for them, you know. Yeah. I guarantee most of them. Well, that, well, they have secret accounts that nobody knows until some sleuth figures it out, like Kevin Durant. So, anyway, all right. So, yeah. So, there's uh, your guys' brush with fame, and um, so the Star Wars account, and then being name dropped on another podcast. Uh, cool. So, uh, but we do have one little bit of news before we get into Obi Wan. Um, and I guess I'll just take it if that's all right, is that um, um, it was announced today that uh, John Williams is officially retiring from movie scoring. About time, he's 90 years old, you know. It's like you gotta gotta think about going on vacation sometime. But uh, yeah. Correct me, if I'm, correct me if I'm wrong, Aaron. I think back when Rise of Skywalker came out, I think that was his kind of an official retirement meaning he was stepping back from making star wars scores not scores altogether not composing altogether right well i don't know it sounds very gronkowski like doesn't it you know i mean yeah <laughs> um yeah he it seems like he retired then came out of retirement then is going back into retirement um i don't know uh, that's just the the news bit yeah. we saw from the star wars underworld um and uh i mean if it's true it's like that that guy that guy was the soundtrack to like every we've talked about this on the podcast before he's the soundtrack to all the movies we watched growing up you know and he and it, it could be argued I mean he he is I mean he he didn't just borrow he dang near 
plagiarized stuff for the Star Wars score. <laughs> I mean, but it was mm-hmm. such an innovative score for A New Hope. Um, but his other, and he's, he gets kind of derivative of himself, you know, in some movies, uh, in mo- some movie scores, but there are yeah. some that just knock it out of the park and then just are, um, but he, he made it, he made movie scoring, I think, a thing. And not just, all right, we need suspenseful music, so put in the suspenseful music cartridge. It was music tailor-written to the story. And, you know, that, it, was, it was like George Lucas and um, Steven Spielberg in particular just collaborating with him on, you know, like I said, making the music be woven in at just as they do with special effects or any of the acting or anything yeah you're like really picking nits there when you're talking about any uh, any critique of from his body of work because like it's so incredible and it's so impactful because you were right right on when you said like that wasn't done in movies at the time when star wars came out like the full-on orchestral score where we're gonna sit in front of a freaking symphony and have them like every instrument you can think of chip in on this thing and it's like nope nope that wasn't what was going on back then and and i think that george lucas sort of hit on this idea that it would add some sort of legitimacy or gravitas to the proceedings it also helps that you have a filmmaker who went to the composer and he says i want something like wagner Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. i mean that i mean so george lucas deserves a bit of a pat on the back for that as well i mean so fredo go ahead no i was just gonna say because i mean dave's 100 percent right the by the time that star wars i mean jaws and star wars come out uh traditional scoring composing for movies are kind of falling out of style the people thought it was passe like it was it was a throwback to all-time movie making which when you consider the fact that star wars is an old school throwback to the the Buck Rogers Flash Gordon serials of the 30s and 40s. Well, it makes perfect sense. I mean, this is one of those things where movie producers and movie studios are probably going like, you know, we can get you a hot new band, a disco band to write you a killer score with lots of hit tracks. And he's like, and they're like, no, we want a composer. We want this kind of music. And I mean, we've said it before. The music is part of what makes a new hope the hit that it is yeah so we might we might have to talk about this a little bit more in depth uh, later but that was just hot off the presses today um uh so yeah like i said i want to be john williams when i'm 90 years old um but i think it's also a testament to the power of music in longevity um so you know no matter how well you play or if you sing or what uh, you know it's Speaking from experience, it does keep you keep you sharp and keep you young, even if your eyes don't show it. Anyway, um, so Obi Wan Kenobi. Hello there. Let's uh, let's talk just to Episode Five first of all, where we get our flashbacks that we were yes. thinking about, and so um, let's uh, that there's and there people have been critical of this you know i'm gonna give you my hot take right off the bat was that i was watching it i was like 
oh my goodness you know it's like there we we're having this is pre-attack of the clones anakin and and obi-wan and at first i was like hey this looks pretty good then i was like oh wow they okay so anakin looks a little bit older than he was in attack of the clones but then i was like i was then i was done with it i was i mean i'm not done with it like mad but i was like i was past it and it was like right on i'm digging what's what the story is going on here and uh, you know actually i thought that obi-wan's mullet looked more like a wig and i was like i was hung <laughs> yeah. up on that more than i was hayden looking 40 versus 20 um but man what what a, a good scene but anyway uh, so what were you guys take of just that it, yeah of just and the it, special effects how did it because we've we've been through the uncanny valley thing you know with uh with in rogue one and um you know the de-aging that they did um in uh with luke so i guess how'd this sit with you they can't win they can't win <laughs> people are going to complain no matter what they do because again you got the uncanny valley stuff you've got the de-aging stuff and then you've got this which is basically just makeup well, and it's and it, i'm sorry um, but it, it is one of those things where you know i mean how how come how come we can let ourselves go that you know yoda is a puppet but we see him as a you know we know he's a puppet but but then we but we get past it and he's like a great character but then if we try to you know dh somebody a little bit and try to pass them off as you know their 20 year old self we just like get the pitchforks and torches out it's like how come we can't let that go by but i mean i keep on keep on going. i mean i w- i would be a hypocrite if i cri- criticized this because the luke stuff was weird for me um and the tarkin stuff i, I guess was okay um for me I'd, I guess I'd prefer that they went this route because honestly I just w- pretty much went with it and enjoyed it um, you but and yeah. look great you and look great yeah mm-hmm. um, and uh, yeah, it was just it was essentially like the hairlines and like forehead wrinkles well, and bags under so the eyes a little bit just, you know I mean, yeah, I mean you skull cap them a little bit uh, differently and you probably don't have nearly as much critique as, as they got but um I I can't take that serious. There's suspension of disbelief. This is all pretend. <laughs> like those are those are not real uh, lightsabers. They were swinging. Yeah, those are oh, not yeah. really real. Oh, but they're too bright. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, they're too, yeah. Now here we go. You know. <laughs> uh, but no, I, I think I see. I, I'm with Dave. I mean, realistically, they they had to make a choice as to where they were going to go. Are they going to de-age and? run into the uncanny valley are they going to try to recast and try to get somebody young but wait a minute everybody's been wanting to see these guys back together that's part of what a lot of the nerd rage was over the last few weeks so i i I feel like you have to give them this and i think they've made the best of it of it possible yes hayden christensen's not 20 anymore ewan mcgregor's not 30 anymore makeup and uh, and good lighting will cover up a lot. That's fine. Well, and here's the thing. That's the and actually the story. If, if I if I was to give any feedback to Deborah Chow, as I mean, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, who did an awesome job with this series? But if oh. if I was sitting there watching the dailies, I would have said, you know what? The shots where the camera is like about seven feet away from them, they look awesome. When the camera's right up in Hayden's face 
I can tell that it was shot mm-hmm. yesterday. You Touch know, it up. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was, and maybe they did try the de-aging and it was like, just kind of like whenever you're tweaking with a program, it's like, you know, you get to a spot and then you go just a little <laughs> too far and it just totally sucks. So it's just like, yeah. okay, which is the bigger, you know, which is the bigger level of suck, you know? So it's, you know, but like I said, when the camera was away from Hayden, it was, Hayden, like I said, was the one that was, that was more noticeable, but when it was away, it was like, you know, fine. And, but like I said, mm-hmm. with what was going on, the story that was being told, I didn't care. I didn't care. Yeah, yeah. I, I think uh, the last thing I'll kind of say on that is the only time, you know, the time I think it felt more obvious to me was weirdly enough not in the flashback to between Obi-Wan and Anakin, but was rather in the flashback between Reva and Anakin when the blue light of the of Anakin's lightsabers shining oh, yeah. on, on, on uh, Hayden's face. I think that's when it became a bit more obvious because realistically there's not much you can do with the light to kind of mask that stuff. So that's when I think it felt. But again, at that point, what you're, you know, the concern is not really the effect. The concern is really more about, uh, you know, the story being told. And the story was terrific. I appreciated the use of flashbacks in that particular episode too. That's what I was just going to ask is yeah. how you, because it was different from Boba Fett where it was like, here's a whole episode of a flashback. And then the last 10 minutes were in normal time here. It was interwoven to actually, mm-hmm. you know, give you context at, for what was, you know, what was going on in the present. I don't know. So Dave, I stepped on you. I'll let you, the idea of the story, which we had been talking about, like pretty much ad nauseum leading into this, was that was that little snippet of dialogue in A New Hope. You know, um, when when I left you, I was but the learner. Now I am the master. Um, and then they they continue to pay that dialogue off in Episode Six. But here is where you get to finally see it, where he disarms Anakin. He proves that it's not all about brain, brawn, and muscle. Um, you have to be craftier than your opponent. Um, and I just like the messaging in that, and I like the the way that it was uh, pulled off within the story. Yeah, because if you consider it, I mean, Obi Wan's not just playing Vader, Anakin. Uh, his expectations and knows what to do. He's also kind of playing Reva and what she wants. Yeah, because. He knows, you know, that you know it gets final. We finally get the background story in Riva, and we finally get the, the reveals that we were asking for. And, and Obi Wan knows how to, you know, to kind of pay off that way in such a to, I don't know, to make sure that it's not just you know it's Anakin coming after him, it's Riva coming after him, and somehow he ends up as the only guy not wielding a lightsaber against the other two at the end of that fight. Yeah, I mean, again, it was. Um, I, I it just, was really well, really well done by Ewan McGregor and the dialogue in general and the in those sequences with Reva, um, because, like you said, like he's he's going to pit the two of them against one another expertly, and not in, in, even in a sort of malicious way, because I you know I, I went back and watched some of those scenes again and. Um, I, I bought that he was genuinely trying to help her in a way like I you know I, I don't want you to go down this dark path 
we have an opportunity to take this guy out and you know you should take it um <laughs> it's very self-serving i'm trying to get off the planet yeah you know, um... <laughs> but I, I really enjoyed it though i thought it was it was really well done because again this is about obi-wan getting kind of his swerve back and it's like okay he's not this crippled broken man he's he's a little cunning he, he he's he's smart and he's getting some of his talents back and one of them is that sort of um ability to strategize well i like it in the clone wars you know well and then revenge of the sith you know grievous calls him the negotiator <laughs> you know that's kind of what was going on when he went to go you know talk with reva um yeah i mean Again, the, 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 that this whole episode was all about that <laughs> that the uh, background music. Um, this whole episode was was about um, you know that uh, it was funny because I said to my wife actually in in episode six and it goes into episode five as well. It's like Vader's sloppy. Vader is still. I mean, he is still. You know tunnel vision it's like we get to the the posters we've talked about everybody's got tunnel vision you know um they're only focused on the one thing and not seeing the bigger picture um kind of like when he goes in and and is like um doing the whole force unleashed you know keeping mm -hmm. the ship from taking off and he's suckered into you know the the fake rock ridge instead of the real rock ridge you know <laughs> so um he it, so that goes to the line of when I last left you I was but the learner now on the mat you know he's he was getting schooled every every turn he he took um, the only thing I had an issue with in that episode was first of all is the sloppiness of what was his name um, Haja is that his name yeah the, the dropping yep, Haja dropping the communicator and then well again reva getting skewered and how come qui-gon dies like two minutes later but she can go and you know read a text message and and deduce what's going on then hop a ship we'll talk about in episode six um that was that was my whole issue with that is i don't i don't necessarily I, it, that you know the suspension of disbelief that bothered me it's like let's let well when the inquisitor comes back and he does say and that's the only thing that's making me sleep at night is when the Inquisitor says, you know, uh, revenge, you know, was the thought of revenge will keep you alive or something like that is something mm -hmm. to that. So he wanted to get revenge on Riva. So that kept him alive. And he says, don't you think? And so that maybe gets her into episode six. I don't know. Maybe it's a dark side thing. But were we led to believe that she was sliced down or skewered by Anakin in Order 66. Yep, that's that's the image I got. Mm -hmm. That was the impression that I got, which means she's taken two sabers at this point and neither of them killed her. Um, which... Or is, or, is she, or is she projecting what happened to her friend's onto herself because i mean again we're getting ahead of ourselves but there's a ton of guilt there's a ton of survivor's guilt with her mm -hmm. um and 
there's there's a rhyming to the her taking uh um a blow to the chest right because it's like again they 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 allude to that that that's what happened to her before that's what she did to the grand inquisitor so i think there's there's i think they're trying to be kind of artsy with that right it's an interesting that level i also interesting because um she escapes death at the hands of vader twice um in addition to whatever her other motivations are at the end of this series, that could be an, an additional bit of motivation for her to, to kind of walk away from things. It's like, yeah, I've cheated death twice now. I'm pushing my luck if, if I go any further with this. So um, I think I kind of think it works on that level as well. But yeah, you know, it stretches credibility when everybody gets stabbed in the chest and they all survive it. But of course, for... Darth Maul gets sliced in half and he comes back. But then, like, yeah, but it's uh, yeah. so, you know, but let's, you know, I, I, I then I stop myself and it's like, let's let's focus on the story because the story is incredible. Right. Um, mm -hmm. It was funny, um, not funny. Well, it was kind of funny when she said it. But when uh, the droid Ned sacrificed himself to try to save Tala and you know my brit says goes oh great another droid that i really like is getting killed because <laughs> it was a very <laughs> k2so type of a moment um l337 yeah. yeah l337 you know and it's uh so star wars is getting getting good at you know creating these droid characters that we like can you imagine c3po getting well i mean he was blown apart in empire but then five minutes later he was back talking to chewbacca um but tala um i i mean i it made sense I, I was not surprised that she sacrificed herself um i think it was like one last lesson to obi-wan before he was ready to become a jedi again and that was sacrifice you know mm -hmm. and because yeah. he was not ready to sacrifice for anybody except for leia until that moment pretty much yeah, because, I mean, one of the interesting things is that from the moment that we meet Tala's character, she's somebody who's sticking her neck out for others. You know, first it's for Obi-Wan and Leia, then it's for, you know, the people in the path. Well, let's remember so, the first episode when the Jedi finds Obi-Wan and he says, what about the fight? What about helping others? And Obi-Wan's yep. like, go away. Yeah, exactly. So it, it kind of, you know, he's coming back or... He's, you know, Obi Wan is coming back from this really dark, lonely, barren place, and, and I don't just mean the desert of Tatooine. I mean emotionally, mentally, spiritually, he's coming back, and you know, Tala, and it, it, it's unfair to kind of just minimize her role, just and say, oh, she's just going kind to of help Obi Wan go along, you know, get back towards that, because I do think that she's one of many examples of the growth of the rebellion. She is one of the characters, like many others that we've seen, whether it's Jyn Erso or the cast of Rogue One, or characters we met during Rebels. Well, I will say that, know, the, that, I mean... They it, are fighting for freedom. They, they did it right with Tala, where they screwed over um, Tandy Newton's character in Solo. 
they killed yep. her off way too soon. You just started to like her. You just started to kind of get to know her and then boom, she's gone. And so it didn't have the emotional weight that like this did because we had a good, what, hour and a half really with Tala, mm -hmm. didn't we? You know, yeah. so we got we got to really, you know, walk side by side with that character. So I mean, that's just that's just one of the things that I one of my criticisms of Solo was that Tandy Newton's character was killed off a but killed off way too soon. Um, mm -hmm. So, but yeah, I I mean, she had a nice Atala had a nice arc. Um, it was well explained what she was doing and why she was doing it when she tells the story about you know they. We're just going to collect taxes from these people, and then the Inquisitors slaughtered, you know, fourteen people, um, and that took all of about ten seconds to give her motivation. And you're like, "Cool," you know, we didn't have to spend an hour on it, you know. So I thought it was really good writing, and just it just really, yeah, like I said, had a good arc. Yeah, I I agree with everything that you said. Um... If there's a um, if there's a critique for screen time at this point, I'd actually say fresh off watching episode six, it might have been for Leia in the final episode. But I'd, I'm not sure there was an easy workaround for them to to sort of solve that issue. Um, she was a hugely important character um, through the first five of five episodes and they sort of just shelter in the final episode. Well, you have but, to uh, you have to get her out of the way so you can have your Vader and and Obi-Wan yeah. fight. And so they I mean yeah, they 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 did it. They they did the best way you could. You know, it's kind of like again, I go back to when I was a marching band director and I was writing you know, writing drill for our halftime show. It was like I know I want to make this picture at this particular moment in the song. And so I'm just going to kind of, and I've got to get from, so I'm just going to kind of make some globs, you know, for these next two charts so I can get to the one that's going to be the big hit. So sometimes you do that. You sacrifice some things like, okay, so let's just, she's going to get on a ship and, you know, they're going to get you home. Bye. You know, it's like, wow, that's kind of mm -hmm. harsh, but, you know, we got to get you out of the way because of Vader. Um so uh, maybe let's let's um, so anything else about episode yeah. five um because um, that was basically it it was it was you know the flashbacks interwoven and the parallels between you know vader has not learned any of his lessons when you know obi-wan's relearning you know what makes him good um mm -hmm. we were getting characters out of the way you know um any any one, uh, one last Leia thing? had agency. Leia had agency in this episode. That was good, um, and also did kind of like Anakin at least saw the the betrayal coming eventually, and 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 so I give him some credit for that. And you gonna say the the Inquisitor came back. The current Inquisitor came back, um, and just so you know he's not dead yet so there you go i mean no explanation just i mean except for that he wanted revenge um but did you have any problems at all with vader holding back the ship and then ripping it apart cool scene but i guess we kind of saw ray do it in rise of skywalker 
It's been in video games. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. are we cool with it? Yep. All right. It, it was a killer yeah. scene. It was. It was really. Yeah, cool. I mean, it's he's not. But anyway, yeah. It's if if he had been pulling down a star destroyer like uh, they did in the Force Unleashed, I might not have been like okay. But then again, size matters not. So if you can do it, you can do it. Uh, I do. I didn't mind it. I think it was a good example of just how focused he is on his target and thinking, oh, there's Obi Wan. I'm gonna get him, and then, you know. Obi-Wan's still showing, yeah, you're, you're still learning because you're too focused on your immediate goal, not seeing the bigger picture, not seeing literally there's another ship behind the ship that you brought down. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was an effective scene. Um, it kind of... I understand, like, the people who are, like, with... Uh, well, uh, why haven't we seen him do that before? And it's like, well, the movie, the Empire Strikes Back came out in 1980. That's why, <laughs> um, you know, it just, that's, that's as deep as it needs to go. Um, it was fine. It, it, they mined it for, um, good, uh, dramatic tension. And then it, the payoff with the Obi-Wan uh, trick was, was I'll quite tell good. you what, what this and rogue one has done is make, Vader's first appearance in A New Hope much more powerful because now we mm-hmm. honestly know because that was one of my criticisms of like you know the original trilogy is like okay I get it he's you know he's the bad guy because he's you know he's the bad guy but I mean the only thing we've ever seen him do is just choke somebody you know in Empire yeah he force chokes people and you kind of ooh okay well he's you know Okay, so he's kind of merciless. But this has made that first entrance much more, um, oh crap, you know, type of a moment. So, um, so yeah. let's get on. Let's get on to episode six. Um, I have to tell you, I, there were three genuine giggles from me in this, and it was beginning, <laughs> middle, and end. At the beginning, it is seeing the star destroyer. The way they, that opening shot, very similar to, you know, A New Hope. Um, the Star Destroyer looked awesome. And I was just like, oh, that is so cool. Um, to the point where the ship that it was chasing looked a little goofy. Um, but um, mm-hmm. in the middle, and we'll talk about this more, but go Aunt Baru. <laughs> I mean, yeah. go Aunt Baru. And then the end, we'll just, I, I just, um, I giggled and almost, almost teared up. Um, we'll talk about that in a little bit as well. But, um, so this episode picks up the Star Destroyers chasing, uh, Obi-Wan and all the force sensitive people from the, the path. Um, and he realizes that Vader wants him. And so he's going to be taken off to kind of, uh, uh, I guess take them, you know, just just to just to get them off their tail. Um, but one thing that happened that was interesting in there was Obi Wan and and Roken's um, moment where they're they're talking mm-hmm. and he says, "You are a leader, don't stop." And that I said to Brit at that point, I said, "Are we going to see Roken and Andor?" I don't, it I don't surprise me. It makes I mean, we, we haven't yeah. we haven't heard of O'Shea Jackson Jr. being an Andor, but I mean, 
I, th- I mean, it seemed like we're setting him up to be, you know, a leader in the rebellion. We're going to see him somewhere. Yeah, or at least we get a name him drop. Season right? one. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I was going to say we might not see him in season one, but season two, which they're currently writing and going to um, uh, shoot soon. Uh, yeah, he, he makes perfect sense at that point because then, you know, you are talking the rebellion and all these leaders coming together form the alliance. So he makes perfect sense as somebody who's already been involved in the fight for years uh, to be at the forefront of it. So, yeah, I mean, it, 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 otherwise, I'm just in there. Why, why else do you have that bit of dialogue between the two of them? That, it could have been just, hey, thanks for the ride. Mm-hmm. See you later. But it was, I mean, it, seem, it seemed very much like a setup, you know, to we're going to see, you know, we'll be watching your, you know, career with great interest type of a deal, you know. Yeah, well, the other function in <laughs> yeah. the scene is to clearly to establish that the seeds of the rebellion are being sown right here. Um, and this is part of it. Um, you're going to see that with Enfys Nest. You're going to see that with the rebels and um, a lot, you know, Castian uh, and, and his crew. So I, you know, regardless of whether he turns up in that series or not, I think like it, it's sort of important to get around to those beats that they didn't touch on in Revenge of the Sith. Um, and and this is what I really appreciated most about this series so far is um, has been that um, it's like we've got we we left things you can watch the end of Revenge of the Sith and go straight into a New Hope but it's a bit jarring um, mm-hmm. and like I feel like this sort of bridged some of those some of those uh, gaps quite nicely in a lot of respects and. And that's one of them because they didn't. There was none of that rebellion stuff in Revenge of the Sith, even though it was, they filmed it. They cut it all uh, out of the movie, and so anytime we get sort of those uh, those undertones elsewhere, I, I appreciate it. So also, I, oh, go ahead, Fredo. No, go uh, ahead, Fredo. Go. No, uh, no, I was just gonna say, and I think because uh, we've seen that that's one of the interesting aspects of Rebels because we're seeing the kind of the formation of the rebel alliance it's one of the elements that's at the heart of rogue one you know how fragile the idea of the rebellion is so i think getting more and more of that story the idea that it's ordinary people coming together to oppose the empire that it's not some grand army that just some hero with a magical sword got you know bestowed upon him to go you know dethrone the evil bad guys uh in charge that no it was common everyday people standing up and coming together and facing up to the to the overmight I don't know to the great might and power that they were facing against I think that's always a good thing to be reinforcing it's something I'm sure is going to get reinforced again in Andor so meanwhile we have um, Reva on Tatooine looking for Owen and we also see um, you know she so she kind of um, throw some muscle around to get information and then uh, that guy goes and tips off Owen and because Owen and Luke are in um, I don't know the 7-Eleven on most Eisley or whatever it is I don't know Dave's Auto Parts whatever they need a belt I for think the speeder um, <laughs> but uh, tips him off and 
So then it uh, it becomes um, Owen and Baru um, starting to figure out how they're going to protect Luke. And this is when you see that I really like this because in when I first watched A New Hope and up until, sorry, up until this episode, I, Uncle Owen was a, was a jerk. Uncle Owen was just a burdened, <laughs> you know, could have given a rat's butt about Luke. That I mean, that's the way, I mean, I need you to farm. Not, you know, I want to keep you safe or not, you know, boy, you know, I hope he's okay. Um, you know, you got, you've kind of got the idea that Baru was like, you know, you know, on better terms with Luke than Uncle Owen was. Um, but this this whole sequence of they were going to lay their lives down for this kid, not because he is Anakin Skywalker's son, but because he's their son, and they were they were going to lay their he's lives their down boy. for him. Yeah, and so this, I mean, well, to me, this this saved Uncle Owen for me. Uh, I kind of remember I said back when the trailer came out, and I don't know if I said it here, but I know I kind of mentioned it along, and no, this episode reinforced it. It made me rethink the scene or the unseen moment in A New Hope when Luke shows up and finds the homestead burnt and the charred remains of Owen and Beru. Because, you know, we always presumed that that was because Owen, you know, the Empire turns up looking for our 2 and 3 PO. And it makes sense. I mean, it's more like that. That is why the Empire turns up. But that might also mean from the point of view of Owen and Baru that they were thought, oh, the Empire's here for Luke. And mm-hmm. having you know, seen them, what their reaction is to somebody coming to threat the kid that they've raised as their son, it wouldn't surprise me if maybe the they, Empire showed up, turned up at yeah. the homestead and all of a sudden, exactly, and that's why they ended up dead because the Empire dropped the hammer on them, so to speak. But it's a, it's a juxtaposition. It's a beautiful uh, redefining of the relationship that, that I think we kind of always presume that you know, Uncle Owen particularly, you know, that they were like the Dursleys of Star Wars. That's it. That's <laughs> it. Yes. Thank you. Exactly. But they weren't. They were not at all. They were just parents, and well, but you know, that, parents but can be difficult. Parents can be tough. I, I I get that, but what I'm saying is that I mean, I perceive them as the Dursleys of the Star Wars universe until yesterday. I mean, you know, I mm-hmm. tried to see. It's like you know, God, he's, you know, Owen's gotta like feel something for the, but it's never been there, and so yesterday helped. Um, yeah. Yeah. But and when I said when I said go Baru, it was like Owen seemed to be kind of like, oh my god, 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 what are we gonna do? And Baru's like, get in the guns, and you're gonna, you know, she's like, she's she's the one with the plan. It's like don't mess with Aunt Baru. I dug that. I dug that. Yeah, they um, she hadn't gotten uh, any sort of screen time until this episode, so it was really good to see her have an opportunity to sort her, of her blue um, milk has vodka in it. You know? <laughs> um, it was good. It was good that she got her moments. You know, it was really, really was. That was that was one of those cheer out loud moments when uh, Reva comes around the corner and she just clobbers her. <laughs> it's like yes, yes. Um, and uh, as far as um, 
the recharacterization goes, I'm, I'm with you 100% because, like, again, these characters, as they were originally portrayed, seemed kind of miserable. Um, and and it's it's like, okay, yes, we're going to preserve what their the point was, which was you need to stay here. You don't need to go off world. It's dangerous out there. Um, you should stay here and not think about those things. You should stay here and farm, right? Um, and adding more depth than just that, right? Like, we're, as a parent, I constantly am harping on my kids about everything, and they're going to hate me for it. They probably already do. But it's like, that's mm -hmm. the parent-child dynamic. That's what happens. To see the actual depth behind it, the understanding that, yes, they actually really do care for this guy, um, I think I think that's important. I said like that was if 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 I if if we went back and we decided I'm gonna set goals for this character um, in this series, that would have been like the number one goal. I mean, if I'd have really sat down and thought about it, it would have been show that these people are are not just like cardboard cutout, you know, angry stay on the planet people. You know, it was it was there's a lot more there. So. Um... I I did have some moments where I was like, and it was funny because in the when we're Britt and I were watching this at lunch yesterday, and you know, so Reva starts chasing after Luke with a lightsaber. I was like, how does he not know what a lightsaber is in Episode Four? And Britt said, well, I don't think he's seen it. He's running away. And I was watching a, uh, um, I think a screen crush or something, and they made that point that Deborah Chow made a, the same. You know, they made the same point Britt did, and she was spot on that Deborah Chow made it a point to show that Luke never looks back and sees a lightsaber. And by the time, you know, she's coming at him with a lightsaber, he's knocked out. So, you know, it's like, you know, again, well done, well played, cool. Yeah. Continuity is good there. They, they, they deserve credit when they get it right. You know, like there are times where you're like, oh, they blew that, but they got that right. Sorry, Fredo. No, no, I was going to say, and uh, one of the other things is they, it's interesting because, and you know this as a parent, Dave, that the way that you present, you know, difficult information or dangerous information, you know, information about danger to kids is important. And what do Owen and Peru do to Luke? They don't tell him a former Sith Inquisitor is coming looking for you. No, they, the Tuscans are, are raiding along those homes, the farms. So... We trained for this before. They put it in terms in which he understands and run, he knows what to forest, do, run. and he knows kind of right. But but they do it in such a way in which he's not uh, freezing. He's he's understanding there's a danger, and this is what I need to do in order to protect myself. So we will come back to this here in a little bit because we'll have to talk about the thing that I mentioned on Twitter today, but. Um... Let's and I'll say one really brief thing too. Like, they have Joel Edgerton playing this role. Okay, you should mm -hmm. give him something to do. <laughs> You're gonna recast him, bring him back. This is a guy like Oscar caliber actor. He's had some incredible performances. Give him something to do with the with Uncle Owen. They did that. Mission accomplished in my mind. Yeah. And again, at the end as well, there was character development all the way up to the end. And like I said, we'll, we'll get to that here in a second. Um, but let's talk about um, the rematch. 
let's talk about the uh the vader obi-wan fight i i do not see really anything wrong with any of it it, I was I was there for it a hundred percent. It was it was kind of like um, I I even appreciated the you know the the wizard battle that you know like Yoda and Dooku had you know in Attack mm-hmm. of the Clones where it's like they're not using lightsabers they're using the Force to you know um, to try to take each other down. But so, I mean it was it was such a good fight. It was such a good fight, and it was, I mean, it was telling a story all along the way. Um, You know, and man, when Obi-Wan raises his hands and starts chucking boulders at Vader, you know, that it was just like, oh oh my goodness. Let's go back right quick and mention the moment when uh, Vader literally puts his hand on the ground and just has a crumble beneath Obi-Wan's feet. And then he's like, burying him alive and I'm just like that is some really dark and menacing stuff and it is awesome because that's the kind of thing Vader should be doing but also it's a nice way for him to gain yeah. the high ground at long last yeah <laughs> right uh, that, was, but, uh, you know, that wasn't but, lost yeah. dude yeah <laughs> it's something that I don't think we've seen enough of you mentioned the uh, duel between Dooku and Yoda Aaron and that's a good point we rarely see in a lot of these duels between Jedi and Sith or Jedi and Jedi uh, it's usually, okay, just swing the lightsaber. Or a few instances, it's uh, force powers. This is an instance where both elements were in play in equal parts to be doing damage. And I think that was crucial for the duel the way it went. It really stands to reason, too, in terms of these characters. They're more experienced. They're, they're in a position more of a Dooku or a Yoda who they've been around for a while and they understand the intricacies of the force. They're going to are not going to be spinning their lightsabers around like all fancy style as much. Um, we saw some of that, which was actually There's some behind the back stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And I actually, I liked the way that it worked here because it was like these little flourishes and it was kind of like, you know, like, Oh, I'm, I'm going to throw this at you now. And then I'm going to throw but this it wasn't, other thing at you. It wasn't Vader doing parkour or anything like that, you know? Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, you know, okay, so and, and I also like um, it's kind. Of, it was kind of like in uh, the Dark Knight Rises when Batman, you know, starts taking apart Bane's, you know, breathing mask. <laughs> you know, because Obi Wan realizes, all right, mm-hmm. I'm aiming for the chest plate. Which, okay, kids, I mean, they're showing you how to beat the boss in the video game that's going to be coming out in a year. But you start aiming for the chest plate, and because he knows that's where he's breathing from and then we get the and, and i this was i mean this, of all the things that they they paid attention to the slash that breaks the um half of the helmet mm-hmm. is their way of explaining the scar that's on anakin's head in return of the jedi <laughs> that's where obi-wan's blade went down and it's like so okay so this was kind of interesting i'm just going to digress for a second because my my brother-in-law um sent me a text yesterday and he said um well i have to have to censor it holy crap that kenobi finale and so Mm -hmm. we were talking back and forth about it 
and he said if only they could build movies like the shows with that cohesive story and i said yeah i think they're learning mm -hmm. their lesson he said not that every marvel movie is a home run but they do put together a convincing universe and i said yeah they do and star wars struggles with it he said they need to find someone who loves it like Feige does and i said they do but filoni wasn't involved in the sequel trilogy Dave Filoni has has his hands on this series as well, you know, because of all the stuff he dealt with Anakin and Obi Wan. Um, we got a really, and, and then he's also the guy who knows he's he's got his you know doctorate in Star Wars for crying out loud, and yeah, I'm sure his hands were in that. It's like you got to have him first of all have him slash off half the helmet because it will mirror what Ahsoka does in Rebels, but do the other half because then it explains the scar. You know, that, that has to be from him. You know, I'm, I'm just, I don't know, mm -hmm. but that has to be because that's something only like a total Star Wars geek would have done. Oh, you're perhaps so. Yeah, um, I not to gloss over any of the rest of this fight because like, um, what you, you were talking about the boulders. Um, I think I, I, I yelled at the television when he was chucking boulders at him. And I'm like, yeah, that's a point for the good guys right there. And then, um, you know, a minute later, he's slicing off his breathing apparatus and crushing him in the chest and cutting off his cape. And I'm like, oh, he's kicking his butt now. You know, like you're, 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 you're going to, you're going to win. And it's like, of course he had to win, right? Like, that's the only thing that would have been satisfying for the audience, first of all. But second of all, Vader, he said it himself, Vader's not going to stop. But Obi-Wan would stop. And, like, ultimately he caught himself. Like, the reason, I, I love that, it's sort of a callback to that we were talking about. Why is he talking to the, you know, Ice Cube's kid for so long? It's like that was one of the points that he made. It's like you're just going to face him because you want to. That's what you're. You that's what you're after right now. And ultimately, I think Obi Wan in that moment felt like, in some part of him, felt like he had to. But another part of him, yeah, he he was thinking, I need to finish this. I didn't finish it last time. Yeah, he said and, he says as much. He said this ends yeah. now. Yeah, and then one by way the or another, this, this is going to end. So by the end of this fight. When he sees Anakin, like he sees his face, he sees a guy can't he can't breathe, he's lying on the ground, and he's like, I can't do it. And moreover, I I'm gonna apologize right. to you for what I did. And like that like blew my mind. Like I knew that that was the way that it had to have ended, but I still was so appreciative that it happened that I was like kind of in awe of it at the same time if that makes sense no absolutely and i think in some ways uh, there was a lot of focus before the start of the series on paying off certain lines from a new hope you know he uh, most you know most importantly the you know when i left it was the learner now i'm the master line and it's surprising in seeing this last episode how much other stuff they were really looking to tie into everything from this the the introduction that uh, Ben gives to Luke when he's explaining to him about his lightsaber and how his dad died, you know, 
to the expressions that you know him and Leia have. This is a this is an episode where, uh, and even all the way up into like Return of the Jedi when Obi Wan is you no know, Force goes Ben is explaining to Luke just what really happened, and we kind of seen all of this kind of come together in a way in which, yeah, it doesn't feel like Ben was lying to Luke, like yeah. he was telling him the truth as he saw it as opposed to oh I'm trying to couch the the answer here you know in some other way and uh, I think that was really well done I 100% agree with you Aaron about that's the kind of thing that Dave Filoni does he likes putting this thing and this thing and all of a sudden you see the tapestry of the whole uh, Star Wars saga come come alive so now Fredo you said something pretty deep to me when we were texting because Dave hadn't watched the show yet um about the helmet mm -hmm. because like i said it's cool ahsoka chops or obi-wan chops off the left side ahsoka in mm -hmm. rebels chops off the right side so i'll let i'll give it to you now so you can pay off what your point was well, well and, uh, and i think i've seen a few other people kind of make this point also it's just the idea of uh, ahsoka who was his padawan could only remove half of his helmet obi-wan who was his mentor and brother couldn't remove half of his helmet, you know, because Anakin's so caught up in his rage and his anger, it took his son years later to be the one to take all of his helmet off to reveal the man that was behind Darth Vader, the persona, the mask of Darth Vader. And out of and, I think that's and a, out of love, a, not out of aggression. Right. Yeah, because both uh both Obi Wan and uh, Ahsoka when they confront Vader it's 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 a different dynamic they're coming at at him as how dare you have betrayed who anakin skywalker was or how dare you have fallen to this point and it's an interesting point whereas when luke seeks out vader he's seeking him out to bring him back to the light he's never he's no he's you know when he says my father's truly dead which this episode also mirrors you know when obi-wan says my friend's truly dread dead He's not doing it from a point of view of defeated, you know, defeatism. He's doing it from a point of view of saying, okay, this is who you are now. But he still feels like he can get to him. It's a, it's a much different uh, dynamic in which Luke confronts Vader than which Ahsoka or Obi-Wan confront Vader. So, yeah, the, I mean, the, the fight was, was awesome. Um, and, but I do want to, so I want to get real quick to the thing on Twitter today because this was kind of jarring when I first watched it was that he gets, you know, we, we then, at, you know, he gets in his ship and we then cut to Reva who is now, you know, coming up on the Lars homestead and we're going to start, you know, going after Luke and Obi-Wan says, Oh my goodness, Luke's in trouble, jumps in the light speed. And like seemingly five minutes later, he's on Tatooine and they're looking for Luke. And this was jarring to people. And I said, that, I said, this is what made me sleep well last night was that, you know, these two things weren't happening concurrently. Right. That, you know, maybe Obi-Wan was seeing the future, you know, much like Luke on Dagobah, you know, seeing Han and Leia being, you know, in pain and, but for the sake of, you know, we only have 51 minutes in this episode, we're going to show these things and we're going to cut real quick. You know, it, it's, you know, so maybe that's what they did. Maybe it did happen concurrently and he was just in the neighborhood. Who knows? 
but you know it's like for me that that kind of fixed that whole thing um but um yeah reva i thought had a more convincing redemption arc than ben solo i i was much you know i was i was much Bolted, more but i wouldn't disagree with you i was i was much more i mean the fact that she was gonna slice down luke and she saw herself in anakin and saw herself in luke and i can't do it and and so she's she didn't like turn all the way good but she brought the kid back and was i mean I mean, I totally bought that over three movies of Kylo Ren and Ben Solo. Sorry, everybody. But I mean, it was just that well portrayed and that well, you know, it made sense. It was being set up from the get go. So it wasn't like presented as some sort of dramatic turn that changes everything. As you said, she made a she made the correct choice. Yeah, she didn't put her. on a she didn't put on a gap sweater and then get a new lightsaber and go, you know, chasing that, you know. Sorry. I'll, no, I mean, I'll get off that horse. <laughs> I mean, it was it was just not something that um one decision doesn't define you. Um we're we're a collection of of all of our choices and all of our actions and 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 so for for this particular character yeah, she made that choice, and Obi Wan was right to give her credit for it, and and to and to show faith in her that yes, you can continue along this path, and you can do good. Um, your future is not written. Um, I mean, he again, he would be a hypocrite if he if he had said anything differently because he stood by and let Jedi get slaughtered for ten years. Basically, he even saw one on Tatooine die because he didn't chose not to get involved and so um again you you cannot just say that people are inherently all good or all evil that's silly um and i think like this is a nice reminder of that were you surprised that they let her live yeah no and uh, no I, i'm not actually and here's what's interesting it's i thought of reva uh for arc as the you know the victim of abuse, the victim of uh, a lot of pain, seeking to break that cycle, being presented with the opportunity with continuing the cycle of hate and violence and anger and pain that she's been living in ever since uh, Order 66. But instead, she chose to a different path. She chose to not continue it. And that's very important very important lesson these days because it but also from a story standpoint it opens up her character to a whole new arc i mean i've, I've seen people online calling for a reva series well it'll be you know, interesting just seeing her try to go back and write some of those wrongs that she's been doing well it'll be interesting mm-hmm. to see how it, what they do with it because they wrote themselves into a potential loophole that i mean first of all you know Luke Skywalker still going by the name Skywalker, you know, for all these years, why the Lars didn't just call him Luke Lars, you know, because, um, but anyway, it wouldn't take Reva long 
to put two and two together, you know, I'm, st I still think at this point, she doesn't know that that is Anakin's son. She just knows that it was, you know, somebody Obi-Wan was looking after and she just wanted Owen's to kid. get someone. It was, yeah. And just go get, I'm going to go get Owen's kid mm -hmm. because that's who Obi-Wan was looking after. I need to get, get my revenge on somebody. But again, it's, if she does a little bit of investigative work, she's going to find out that that's Luke Skywalker. And it's just like, you know, hmm, wonder if they're related, you know, type of a deal. Um, <laughs> so it will be interesting to see what they did. I was kind of, I was actually half waiting for either Owen to blast her or Obi-Wan to cut her down or her just to have a dramatic death right there and they bury her next to Shmi and, you know, and, you know, Klieg. Um, so <laughs> good old Klieg. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. I don't know. Dave, were you surprised that they let her hang around? Yeah, I actually was at first. Um, I didn't see the potential for her to, you know, have second thoughts. She she went all the way out there. She pursued it that far. I figured she was ready to just go all the way with it. And so I didn't see a real path for her to survive, um, given that. But um, ultimately, I do like what they did with her. And I, I'm with you. I bought that the character would ha have those kinds of doubts and would and would and would say to herself i, I don't want to do this it's not what it's not where i want to be um I'm, I, and it, to the point i made earlier it's like i've nearly died multiple times <laughs> I, you know yeah, I, i mean i'm literally bleeding yeah yeah these people may kill me i mean like ultimately if they don't then you know obi-wan may show up and he may kill me you know it's just um and if he doesn't kill me, then you know, then I'm presumably Vader's not going to be happy that I'm still alive. So, I, you know, there's just there's so much that can that kind of thinking to can just go on and on and on and poison your mind to a point where you're just you know irredeemable. Uh, and I, I never really felt that way about her um, necessarily, but it still didn't seem likely that this would occur. Um, but I'm glad that it did. I, I, I do feel like um, it made sense. And I, and again, you have. I'm glad they gave Obi Wan the out. He doesn't have to cut this person down. Right. Um. Like again, he's the good guy at the end of this series that we all hoped that he could be. And part of that is not taking revenge and uh, unnecessarily murdering people. Um, he's also, you know, a peaceful um, person looking for a diplomatic solution. The negotiator, as we say. So uh, let's uh, mm -hmm. let's talk about the denouement here. Um, I'll just go through the, the highlights real quick and then let you guys kind of comment on them. First of all, um, we get uh, Vader talking to Palpy. We get Ian McDermott as Palpatine. Um that was unexpected and cool made sense um we then well we also see uh leia getting all duded up in kind of more rebel garb um she's got tala's holster and stuff like that and it's kind of surprised that obi-wan comes back to uh alderaan i guess got to bring back lola um so that was a nice moment but i tell you what the moment of him describing Padme and Anakin 
to Leia was, I think, the best moment of the series. I mean, that was just, I mean, chef's kiss. I thought it was great. Um, we also get Obi-Wan um, talking with Owen on Tatooine, and Owen says, Ben, do you want to meet him? And so Obi-Wan gets to meet Luke Skywalker, presumably, obviously, for the first time. And we, yeah. and we get the line, we get the hello there that everybody's yeah. been waiting for. And I thought I was going to get cheated until the very end when we have the ghost of Qui-Gon Jinn talking to Obi-Wan saying, I've been here the whole time, you just haven't been ready. And, and I was actually saying that exact same thing to Britt before it all happened. I said, um, he had, Obi-Wan wasn't ready to it was like there are no atheists in foxhole type of thing he was always going to qui-gon because he was desperate not because he was at peace with himself so all those things happen in like the last what five ten minutes of the show <laughs> um so i'll let you guys go but uh you know, what do yeah. you think about all those moments um the I agree with you in that the the stuff with Leia was a, a true highlight, um, and uh, just getting to hear him describe the parents the way that he remembered them, um, and you know, did not dwelling on the Vader. A little, stuff. a little like Harry Potter and the epilogue, you know, talking mm -hmm. to his kid. But I, I'll get away from yeah. that. Go ahead. It was fine. Yeah. Um, and then again, like meeting meeting Luke. Like he hadn't, he hadn't even, he hadn't even gotten to meet him. I mean, like, and he cared so much about those kids, and like that was what got him out of the under from underneath being buried alive. The man is like close to death, and he's had he's got all these hateful thoughts running through his head, and it's like the image of those kids is what allowed him to regather his strength and and focus and connect with the force and get himself out of that situation and it was that love and that and that devotion to them and it's like man hadn't even gotten to meet luke yet and yet the healing power of owen inviting him in like you go i i went from like my heart is broken now to my heart is soaring in about two seconds because you, you learn that fact that he hadn't even gotten the medium and then but now Owen's trying to repair that um, and uh, that was just that was beautiful yeah I'm just going to say uh, let me go back right quick and mention that little cameo by Pappy you know which I think was crucial I mean it's first of all it's important to see that Anakin still focusing on the past and I love the fact that Palpatine calls him out on it and says wait a minute you're still focused on the guy who just kicked your butt last time and uh, you're not willing to let that go and force this uh, Vader to back down. But also because it speaks to a very big blind spot that Palpatine has about Anakin's emotions, his connections, his bonds. He's, you know, 10 years later from the, from the moment where he got him to turn to the dark side and he still doesn't seem to get that. It's those bonds that he forms that give... Anakin powerful, you know, yeah, whether it's that, good or evil, whether it's 
hey, I want to save my wife or, hey, I want to hunt down the guy who betrayed me. And it's going to be that big hole that Palpatine doesn't get that's ultimately the reason why Vader picks him up from behind and chucks him down a Death Star core. I, he uh, was right to be paranoid, also, right? Uh, to the other moments, yeah. Yep, yep, very much so. But also, Anakin's never going to let that go. He can't. That's, that's ingrained into him. His ability to create strong emotional bond is what made him a great Jedi, and it's really what's going to bring him back. And, uh, but, you know, that doesn't matter to Palpatine because he's interested in power. Uh, for the Leia moments, I just, it was a really great little uh, ending to their story together. I think it was necessary. Even if people are like, well, what's Obi-Wan and Alderaan? Like, I think we needed to see that. Also to understand why she's the one that gets sent to go get him, you know, in A New Hope. Uh, it's vital. Um, I'd love to see the little actress Vivian uh, come back in five, six years and do the Young Leia series. Well, it also, you know, it also explains. Shows. It also explains why it, why um, um, uh, Bail Organa sends Princess Leia because he knows that she will be able to get Obi Wan into the fight. That his connection with with her. Right. So they've done a good job at retconning yeah. that. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, big time, big time. I mean, if if he's gonna, you know, he might turn bail down, and he has turned bail down, but he's not turning Leia down. Yeah, you know that bond that it built is strong. Uh, and then seeing that little moment in the uh, homestead, I think I think it's necessary, even if we know that a few years later, uh, when Luke mentions Ben and Obi Wan to uh, Uncle Owen, that Owen's like, I told you to forget it, and you know. You know, that's nothing but an old man. You know. So you know that their relationship's never going to be good. It's always going to be a distant. But yeah. that doesn't necessarily mean that it's not positive that they don't both see eye to eye on the important thing. And I love the fact that kind of Obi-Wan kind of recognized that, yeah, Luke needs to be a kid, needs to grow, needs to have some semblance of a life before the responsibility and the weight of, expectation that's going to come with being the son of Anakin Skywalker descends upon him. Then finally, yeah, that, that Qui-Gon moment, I think, it just put a big old smile on my face. Yeah, I grinned I, and giggled and, like I said, almost teared up because it was just like uh, that, that must have been the thing that I wanted more than anything. Um, but uh, the fact that... and. I was I was kind of surprised that it was a full ghost, but if you're you know I suppose if you're gonna do it, you might as well get you know Liam Neeson to put on the wig. Um, so <laughs> it, it was just good. Yeah, it was so good. Um, maybe we'll as we have some time. Dave's gonna go on vacation. Fredo's got some. He's gonna be going away uh, for a little bit, so we're gonna have about a week off here. Maybe we digest this and we come back and we'll, our next episode, we'll talk about what we think about, you know, and now that we're out, once we get past the emotional part of it, see what we think about the series as a whole right now, as I stand, I mean, this is the best star Wars that they've done since Disney plus, um, take a seat Mandalorian. Um, sorry, (laughs) that's where I am right now. Um, that's not saying the other stuff is bad, but this is, (laughs) this was really good. And maybe we'll, I don't know how you guys feel about that. We will talk about that maybe at our next show in a, in a couple of weeks. Um, but I don't know. What are your, what are your gut reactions right now as we sign off? 
Um, okay, so, like, yeah, I, I think we should definitely um, address that. Like, where does it fit in overall and what are our feelings of it as a whole? Because I, um, the highs here are really tremendous. And again, I understand if somebody's watching this, they're not feeling it. What am what are we doing here? I don't agree with that creative choice and I'm just sort of not with it. I understand that, right? Um but for me personally, I had a you know, goosebumps and the the hairs on my arms sticking up, you know, um it, uh, there were there were genuine highs within this series that I probably hadn't experienced since the last Jedi, um, and like that's that's kind of where I'm at with it. Yeah, kind of. I think one, you know, the last few weeks I've been saying and repeating the kind of the mantra of I want us to move forward and get new stories and characters, but I think this is kind of like the standard of if you're going to bring one of these legacy characters into giving their own show you know expand on their story this is really how you got to do it because you can totally tell there's a lot of respect and love for obi-wan the character and his story and these characters and, and how they latch on and become part of the larger star wars saga uh you know i never expected that we're gonna get princess Le and this and it was a wonderful delight to get her in this and see her how she uh fits in uh so on an emotional level I, I loved it i enjoyed it tremendously i can't wait for more for the next star wars series uh yeah we can possibly should possibly discuss because i'd love to see now that we got the entire story up together i'd love to just sit down and just maybe one day when i have a day off just binge bomb it. through all six episodes and see if yeah binge it and just kind of get a feel for it as a whole story. I wonder if any more, any less will come out of it as opposed to the streaming model that Disney has where it's weekly. By the way, I'll leave you with this. Uh, Britt said one of the criticisms she saw was uh, some online magazine that said the biggest problem with the Obi-Wan Kenobi um, series is that there's too much Ewan McGregor. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that's like no i don't know that's you like, cannot win you can't like, win it's like this this crawfish boil has too much crawfish anyway we'll leave you with that let us know what you think <laughs> of uh the obi-wan series um like i said we'll be off for for about a week and uh, we'll come back and with fresh thoughts but like i said you can always hit us up online um, we're never too far away and with that we will say who dat who that? And there we go. Yeah, we got a little delay. And uh, we will uh, talk to you later. My monkey.